Hi everyone and welcome to the 63rd episode of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with Colin. Hello everyone. And Lauren. Hello everyone. Both saying the same thing. That's good. I couldn't think of anything else. I'm sorry you put me on the spot. So yeah, we're now in 2012. You on the the spot for saying hello. 2012 and (laughs) Colin and Lauren are already flustered by everything that's going on. I'm I'm not the one that's flustered. I'm the one who's flustered. Lauren's flustered by everything. Let's put her on the spot. No, Lauren, 2012 is the end of the world. What do I think about 2012? 2012 yeah. is already starting to be really stressful, and um, uh, yeah. Good. Rebe- Rebecca Black called it. 2012 ends on the Friday. Friday, Friday. Sorry. Colin, that's a new low for this show, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that's a new low. <laughs> it's all good. Anyway, um, we are very thrilled to be back talking about Final Fantasy after a, I guess, a month off, about that. Yeah, yeah, okay. it's we been a long time. Thoroughly refreshed, and Final Fantasy Thirteen Part 2 is out in about two weeks' time, in <gasps> case you didn't know that. Just over two weeks, I think, and a little bit more if you're in Europe. It's so exciting. I, I'm actually really excited. I, I think it's going to be great, but... This After the demo, I'm, exci- I'm I'm pretty excited. It's been getting pretty good review scores. Yeah, it's been getting yeah. some eights and nines. For me to give it a perfect score. Yeah, there is yeah. controversy at the moment because I think I think official no PSM t- three magazine gave it an eight out of ten or something, but they gave ten part two a ten out of ten. So therefore, this yeah. one must suck. Ooh. We'll we'll ignore the fact that it's like seven years later, <laughs> and, no, probably longer than that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's about nine. It's almost been about and, yeah nine or ten. And it's Bold. probably a different guy reviewing the game. Yeah. I'm just going to take a guess at that. Anyway, we only have a two-segment show for you guys this week because there hasn't really been any news that has nah. happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, so it was all before Christmas. People are talking about the demo anyways. Yeah, so yeah. we gonna are right going to have that. two segments. The first one is going to be a massive discussion about the demo. And then we're going to jump into some questions. And we've got a ton of questions for you. Hopefully we're going to be able to get through a load of them. If we don't get through all of them, I'm sorry we've tried our best yes so as always Final Fantasy Union is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and if you've never listened to the show before I implore you to carry on listening it's presented by a great bunch of people from Gaming Union Network the three of us included and it's also produced by Brian who works for tweaksmusic.com plus it also comes down the iTunes store finalfantasyunion.com and Colin finalfantasy-fxn.net now, before we go on to talking about our demo discussion, I do want to say something else. We are actually in the process of renovating Final Fantasy Union, the website. Um, Ooh, Colin and I are working quite hard on that at the moment. And we put up a feedback poll on the website, so you can tell us everything you like about Final Fantasy Union at the moment. Currently, the, the best things are apparently the podcast. Yay us. Um, <laughs> the regularity of our content, which is which something is that Colin very, finds very, very interesting. Funny. Yes. Why is that interesting, Colin? Because it it wouldn't be <laughs> like it's just it's not just... regular. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, people like our tardiness when it co- comes to reporting on news and stuff like that. Yes, um, they also like the fact that we go to events like E3. We're members of the press, so you know we get invited to preview events. We get interviews with people from Square Enix that most other fans. Speaking don't of interviews. Get. Yes, speaking of interviews, mm-hmm. we'll get on to that in a minute, Colin. Okay. So yeah, we're, no, soon not we okay. are going to be putting up like a poll as well, again. asking you guys what you want to see on the website. Obviously, that's going to factor into our design. Uh, we're really trying to make this design um, 
Very, well, I guess modern. Visual. Yes. So the previous layouts that we've had have all been very, I guess, technical. Standard. Um, yeah. Very got, web design 2.0. Yeah, so we're going to try and push things on to website 3.0 and Mm -hmm. uh, make things a bit cooler. There's going to be a lot more interaction. Um, We're going to be working really hard to expand the databases as well because that's something that really hasn't been touched for about two years. And we felt it was about time for that to change. So there will may be maybe even 13 part two characters or 13 characters at that. And let me just say, the design actually does look pretty freaking cool. I mean, I've I've seen what Daryl and Colin are working on, and it looks pretty freaking awesome. So yeah, be excited for that. Yes. And I'm not just saying that. Well, um, I guess I'll announce the next thing that we have in store, which actually, um, you since this is coming out on a Tuesday, you want to get your um, questions in like right now. Um, we are interviewing Allie Hillis. Yeah. Again, excellent. Yes, Just in time for are... 13 part two. Exactly. And this will be actually the second time that we've interviewed Ali Hillis. Um, and so, yeah, we're really super excited about it and we want your questions. So we're going to we're going to pick about um, I'm going to ballpark and say about 10, 10 or yeah, so. We, we've had a questions. ton of questions so far, so you better make we sure have. that your question is freaking good. <laughs> I'm sure we can dump like 50 just, questions on her. Just It'll be ask fine. what you want to know. Just ask what what you want to know of Ali Hillis. And um, yeah, she's a really cool person to talk to. She's really she's a really, really down-to-earth voice actress. I don't know how much we can talk about Final Fantasy XIII Part Two. We probably can't reveal a ton. So, um and also, about? Of course, I'm sure she knows ex- intricate pl- plot details. <laughs> and also, of course, keep your questions kind of PG because, um, yeah. Within reason, you she know, may don't not ask mind, something ridiculous. But she probably won't want to say it. Yes, exactly. We don't want to uh, burn bridges with... And we probably uh, won't even ask the quest- question if we don't think it's appropriate anyway. Exactly. She's going to read all the questions before we even give the interview, so... So, with that in mind uh, I think we're also trying to get some more interviews with other voice actors moving forward so hopefully we'll have some more segments like this for you guys to look forward to definitely I'm working we, my hardest. we have another one in the pipeline potentially but we're not going to say who there is yet just in case it doesn't work out truth but yeah we are working hard to get you the coverage that you want yeah maybe maybe like a bomb. coverage that you want yeah so number one moving on we are now going to talk about the demo that was just released um the 13 part 2 demo kind of came out of the left field I don't think anyone really expected that but the start of January Square Enix said that they were going to release a demo on the Playstation Network and Xbox Live Arcade not Arcade Xbox Live and it came out on the 11th of January I think it was the 10th for some people in North America but obviously for you guys it's absolutely fantastic but from our perspective it didn't really show off anything new the only thing it did allow us to do well Lauren and I because Colin's played pretty much the entire game and even then, it's different from the yeah actual game. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very similar to the what we saw at E3. As I said, yeah. the only difference really was that we actually had the game in our hands now. So we at E3, the demo that you guys played took the guy demoing it about fifteen to twenty minutes. So use yeah. it as a ballpark. If you've been taking an hour or two, he did it in about fifteen to twenty minutes. Yeah, exactly. 
Except I don't know if he did any uh, a ton of the side quests. Keep in mind though that he didn't show a lot of the things that are in yeah, the demo. Yeah, he just right went now. straight from yeah. A to B. Although he did do the side bit with Atlas, he did he weakened Atlas beforehand, but that's the only thing he did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. It but a, it, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say anything. Go for it. <laughs> it was just it was just interesting um, to be able to play it again. Of course, E3 was um, forever ago, which is surprising. It feels like it was just yesterday, but it's like it's forever only been and ever again. Half a year. It's crazy, but anyways. Um, the next one is in another half a year. <laughs> yes, but uh, it was it was interesting. Um, interesting to actually be able to play it. Except uh, the one thing I will complain about is the fact that we couldn't play as lightning. Like, come on. That was such a troll. Such a troll such move. Such a troll. Lightning. Such a troll. Like that, I, I was saying earlier before the show, Lightning's battle was actually pretty awesome. I know. When I played it at the preview event. I would love to play it. But no, no. Square Enix had to be like, oh yeah, we're just gonna make it seem like you're actually playing it. But then you'll be like, oh wait, WTF, why is this cutscene going on right here? And then we'll go into the trailer. And I love it because usually you can tell the difference between actual gameplay and a trailer. But in this one, it was kind of tr- kind of tricky. It took me a minute. I was just like, wow, the, this the is cool. The time I noticed was because Noel had a quick time event that was really slow. And I pressed the button straight away and it didn't register it. And I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I noticed... Moving uh, away from that, Sorry, um, what what are the some of the things you, that you liked most about the demo, and and really thirteen part two in general? Like, what do you think of the improvements, and what do you like about what they've done? I like the labyrinth style um, level design. You know, it's a, it's a lot more open, encourages more exploration than what thirteen offered, which was pretty much one straight corridor and then a huge ass hub, which was Grand Pulse which had nothing in it, and then another yeah. straight line. I think uh, we we talked a bit more uh, earlier in the year about how it was kind of similar to Dungeon Siege. Yeah. See, Dungeon Siege was very linear, but it had that illusion of freedom. Yeah. I think 13 by 2 actually, now that I've played it, it seems a bit more expansive than Dungeon Siege 3. It definitely degree, is. Like, in Dungeon Siege 3, you had the, 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 um, the dungeons... And they were quite expansive, but when you were actually not in the dungeon, it was very, very linear. But there were slight side paths you could go down. See, I don't know. You've obviously played more of Thirteen Part Two than I have. So, what's it like outside of the demo sequence? Is it is it quite expansive? Like, what are the towns quite big and that kind of thing? Um, I've only been through uh, New Boldom, and then Chapter Two was uh, Brescia, the Brescia yeah. ruins. That's what so I didn't make it to chapter three where they meet snow. Uh, okay, but that's what we saw at the community event. It's basically it's quite um, seamless. I'll say like there's no loading screen between exploring and into a new town. Say using Neobodum as an example, as an example, you you can be inside inside Neobodum, walking around, talking to the NPCs, finding side quests to do, and then just step out into pretty much uh, Grand Pulse. Although it's not open world, it's definitely not open world. Yeah. But there, there's no there's no transition. It's it's a seamless move into like exploring and fighting and questing. That's cool. Yeah. What else What else did you like about the um, about the new game? I think I liked. Um... 
this was something that was really lacking in Final Fantasy XIII was the ability to talk to random people. Like, I remember you could talk to, like, um, they had automated messages where if you walked closer to somebody, they would start talking. But then once you ran away, they would just, like, fade into the background. But in the demo, you could actually talk to, like, everybody. You could talk to soldiers. As long as they had the little dot, dot, dot over their head, you could talk to them. Quite a lot of people um, do have that as well. And it's a good way to get side quests, too. Yeah, I love that. I I spent, like, the first few minutes off the demo just talking to everyone and hearing their thoughts about the whole situation. Yeah. Yeah, you do get, like, bits bits and bobs of, like, the backstory with... um, Atlas and what the academy is doing. So that's pretty cool as well. when it comes like to narrative. If you've got a side quest going on, people will give you clues about what you might need to do or where you might need to go. Mm. I'm glad they I'm glad they brought that back this time around. I think that that's something that they uh really missed out on in Final Fantasy 13. But so, um So what do you guys think about the um the random battles, how they've kind of been brought back but pseudo brought back? I I, I like, like it. it. I know I've I've I read some comments on FFU, uh, one particularly from Abe, who said he didn't really like it because, you know, even if you stood still, you'd still get into a random battle. But see, that the random battles aren't really that random. They're kind of designated to certain spawn points throughout the map. So if you go back mm-hmm. and forth between those points, you'll get into a random battle. But the, the good thing is that also, you can run away from them really, really easily. Exactly. So you don't, you don't always it's have to fight. It's so easy. It's, it's and, just like that mixture of um, how it used to be in the olden days and, the, and the, how, it is, how it was in like 13 and 12, where in this one, you don't see the enemies before they appear, which is how mm-hmm. it used to be, obviously. But you have the choice whether you want to enter the battle or not, like you did in 12 and 13. Yeah. And there's and also that level of immersion where if there's an NPC guard around who will join in the fight not not in the actual fight mm. but like the bit prior to to act to initiating the fight does that do they actually um, deal damage to them when you go into the fight then? Uh, does that carry over I don't think so it's it's just like for an aesthetic kind of thing but oh, I okay. I thought it was really cool I did find though that pretty much 90% of the time you will get a preemptive strike yeah, yeah, I I kept getting greats all the time. I was just like, oh, okay, this is fun. They made it really simple. I'm yeah. guessing as you go further through the game, there'll be instances where the enemies just don't allow you to do that and that kind of thing. Or like More the bar than gets likely. Shorter. It's definitely a lot easier than um, a game like Persona, where like you have to run up to shadows and like hit them. This was like so much easier than that. <laughs> well, in like 13, it was pretty impossible because you had to hit them in the back. You had to run yeah, into that's true back. too. So but, some of the um, other new additions are, of course, the ability to change party member. Oh, sorry, party leader. Yeah, which it's an amazing addition. When well, I if found you can't that, change a party like, member, so cool. there's something wrong with the game mechanics. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Colin. Although I don't know, I don't know if it will automatically change. I don't think it will. Auto- you it will automatically put you to the person who is alive when that person yeah, it does. dies. There, it does. It does? So let's say oh, okay. if your current party leader kicks the bucket the game automatically yeah. moves it over to whoever's still alive. I think that's... Oh, okay, I don't cool. think it moves it to monsters. No, but, no, it doesn't. No, move. it can't. I, I don't... Pretty sure it doesn't move to monsters. But um, that was, like, the biggest... One of the biggest complaints from 13, the fact that if Lightning or whoever was in charge died, it was game over. Despite yeah. the fact that the Especially other Especially when it came to that boss fight with Orphan. Although yeah. that's becoming a common trend anyway. I mean, the Persona series have done it forever. Like, you know... You yeah, it's not. It's not, so, it's not so bad if 
your party leader dies and it's game over because you know of a mistake he, the player makes. Mm-hmm. It's more so because in thirteen it was all based on luck. Yeah, it's true. It would be like you could do a fight against Bart Handelus and um, he might just do a slight bit more damage on one move for some reason at that time, and then you're dead. And yeah. the twenty minutes you've just spent have been for nothing. Even exactly. though every everyone else in your party is fine, the situation would have been under control. All you need to do is just revive them and it would be back to normal. That was actually one problem I was having with the last Atlas fight in the demo. Because, like, um, that one move where he, like, he punches you and then he punches you again. Um, like, sometimes he would deal, like, half my damage. But then sometimes he would only deal a quarter of my damage. And then I'm just kind of like, you know, okay... So when is he going to, like, insta-kill me? Might have been a gravity-based move. Might have been. I don't know. It was just weird. But whatever the case. One of the things that I actually liked was the um, the Crystarium now. It's it's quite similar to 10 and 12 and 13. It's like a mixture of all of them, except now that they've given you a lot more choice about how things work. So yeah. if you remember from 13, um, each character towards the start of the game had x amount of um, different classes they could use and then when they got to the end they could choose each class but each class had its own crystarium and it was very it was very much a linear path so you didn't have any choice really about what you learned and what you didn't learn every now and then you get like a little tree but it would only be for one note one or two nodes and then you have to go back to the main path again how yeah. it works in 13 part 2 is that there's no set path and for every node there is you can choose what you want it to be so for example, uh, you could just level up Ravager if you want and just have the other ones really low level. Um, or you could just level each one up uh, separately. But the node you land on, it doesn't have a specific thing anymore. So it's not going to be like, oh, this one's going to be eight strength. This one's going to give you an ability. It's going to be this one will give you what is situational depending on where you are with that class. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Ravager class, for example, I think you get a new ability at level 12. If you're at Ravager level 11, then if you go to the next node, it will give you a new spell. But if you were to upgrade another class, it would just give you some attributes. And I think that level of choice is really good. I know that Colin's got a slightly different opinion about it. Uh, no, I do think that's a really good system. I like it, actually. I like it much better than 13 was, because 13 simply just gave you an entire... I wouldn't even call it a grid. It was more like a line, a string. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's... Where I, where I stand on like, character progression, I think choice is important, but what 13 offered wasn't choice, it offered freedom. Like, m- mm. Much like Final Fantasy XII did. You know, everyone could do everything. Whereas with 13-2, Whereas... you have to choose which class you want to um, level up. You want to choose which one to upgrade more than, say, if you want to make Noor a beefy commando. You know, you'll level up his commando notes and you'll get stats, stat increases like defense, HP, attack power. Or if you want Ravager, you get, you know, magic magic points, uh, magic resistance, magic power, that sort of thing. What I want to know is, can you shoot yourself in the foot? Probably. Because, well, like, if you say you've got um, the two characters, let's say you only ever level up Noel in one... Thing. Like, level up him as, like, Super Commando, but no Centennial or anything. And or you Sentinel, only level up uh, Sarah as a Ravager. You then, mm-hmm. I guess, become really reliant on the monsters. As medics and stuff. 
that's what I was that's what I was kind of um, upset about with it. Actually, I have like a different a different view from both of you. Like I I actually don't prefer having the choice. I'd much rather just have this is what I'm this is just what I'm choosing and then that's it. Like this is just what they give me I think, and that's fine. See, I think it presents more of a challenge to players when it comes to character progression. Exactly. Other, which is why I kind of prefer it. You know, like with 13's original Crystarium, you know, there wasn't really much challenge. All you had to do was stack up all the points and spend it on, on the Crystarium. Mm-hmm. It's Whereas kind of with, like how it is with but... monster progression in this game because the monsters only have one class. So really you go to the screen and the only choice you have is whether you want to upgrade their um, health at, and like strength or you upgrade their magic. But the thing about like Final Fantasy thirteen is that even though even though it was very linear, I still found it challenging. I still felt that some of the um some of the battles, especially later in the Well game, not so much the like, battles, we're talking about the progression here. I know no 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 no. I know. I'm I'm saying with the progression, like later in the game it's what Colin had said was that it was it made the game um it would make the game easier when this provides more of a challenge. And so I, I feel like I feel like Final Fantasy thirteen was still challenging even though the character progression. I think this is one of those ones where you can either it's, make the game a lot easier for yourself or you can make the game a lot harder for yourself. I think it's yeah. de- it's dependent on who's playing. Like for me thirteen, even the la- like the later battles, they were really, 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 really easy. Even the boss mm-hmm. fight was ridiculously easy. It was just his one hit KO spell that annoyed me. Yeah. For me, like, um the battle that was like where was it? Was it on the bridge or something? It was Bartandalus. like um, it wasn't Bertandalus. It was the other guy, I think. Yog. Maybe he was like um, oh, I forget who what he was, but basically, like the entire battle was just me switching around my paradigms and trying to figure out a way that would work in order for me to kill him, and I just couldn't get him to die, which was really annoying because um, it was the one where he like. He, you, you think you have him down like half health, and then um, he regenerates and yeah, then becomes. Yeah, it might be, but that was really annoying for me. Like even even with, it, it didn't really matter what level I was at. It was still like difficult for me. But then again, like I just I don't know. I guess the question is that, does this level of freedom take away from the experience? Because I think one of the great things about the previous games, and I'm talking like post 10 well pre 10 sorry is that each of the characters had their own role and it was written to the story why they were like that mm-hmm. so it's like you know um garnet is a summoner well there's a reason for that it was in the story that's why she's a summoner yuna was a summoner 10 still ha- kind of had it with the the abilities and stuff but really you could make everyone everyone but yeah before that everyone had their own special niches and they all had their stat progression that just went naturally with who they were or what they were capable of doing. For me, I preferred I preferred that if only because my main focus was to get through the story and um, I feel like the older Final Fantasies were actually a lot easier just because like you didn't really have to learn a whole new way in order to play the game. Yeah, you like didn't have nine, to learn all new strategies. Nine, it was all about... St- they've all been about classes... Yeah, which is the fact that each character only had one class, and yeah, so the, exactly. le- the, the the progression they had was not in how you leveled them up and what class they had. 
it was about what items you chose and and that was and that's been something that's pretty much been taken away with these mm. no I, I i i disagree like even with well, 13 no, two, you know it's no, like, all item customization or anything it's all quite it's all quite relative because while in you know pre ff10 you had all these classes and you just focus on that one class 13 two, you only have pretty much noel and sarah as your two lead characters and then you get the monsters and it's not it's not like the game game is stingy on crystarium points you get a ton of it and you can easily level up what you want yeah i just i just prefer to be told i was i was more just <laughs> I guess talking the about the best way to put it yeah i was more talking about like the overall thing whereas now um the the, the classes they have the roles they do the weapons they use it really means nothing Whereas if you go back and look at some of the previous ones, like Zidane had to use certain weapons because that was his class type and he was he was a damage dealer. Ico and Garnet were mages, Vivi was a mage. And like you kind of built your party around that and but it was all it was all built into the story why they were like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you think about um would Final Fantasy Nine's story have been as good if Vivi could be going around hitting people with his stick for 9999 damage <laughs> but I think it would lose a bit of its mystique if, if that was the case and I th- I think that's part of the reason that 12 really had so many anonymous characters because really everyone was the same yeah well everyone was what you made them exactly yeah and if you made them the same then the same. yeah the experience probably will suffer but anyway mm. moving on so some of the other things that were new, obviously, is the monster system. And this is going to come into something that I didn't necessarily like. And I don't know if anyone has experienced this. And maybe I'm just reading this completely wrong. So if I am, please correct me. It seems that the that all the monsters are tied together with an affinity. So if one monster dies of the three that you're allowed to pick, they all die. I think that's a pretty bad system. I would have, yeah. I would have preferred it if, um, if one died, you could switch him in and, and bring in someone else. I think that would have been a much cooler system. The other problem with this is that um, it seems that their health is relative. So if the monster you've got in is on half health, if you bring in another monster, they also have half health. So they've tried to um, make it consistent with, you know, obviously if you change Sarah's class, she's not going to, her health's going to stay the same. Mm. So they tried to do that with the monsters too. But the problem with that is that, and this might be a tactical thing they did on purpose, if you've got a monster that only has 500 maximum health, and then you, you've got another one that has 2,000 maximum health. Half health of the 500 one's only 250, but half health of the other one is 1,000. So if, you switch, if you're going to receive a massive attack, switch the character over, that can take more damage. After the attack's done, switch them out, heal up the weaker character, and then the, the other one gets more health quicker. So it makes the cure spells more effective and things like that. I don't know if that was something they intended. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't even didn't notice that when I was playing experience it. I didn't experience it since I I didn't have any of my um, my monsters pass on. Thank goodness. <laughs> well, that's something that happens when they're alive. Mm. Well, yeah, other than I didn't the fact notice that one it. dies if one dies. Yeah, I have not had my monsters die on me, so I did not notice. This I think it's just issue. because i I had one of the I had a really really strong monster who um, mm. was like the, the the little mech things that had that one arm and they. When it's, they're really, re- yeah, they're really, really strong. But then once you um, stagger them, they just die. Um, yeah, they had a ridiculous amount of health. But I noticed that when I brought him in, when someone was one of them was almost dead, he was almost dead too. 
<laughs> and I was like, hang on a minute. I haven't used him yet. <laughs> <laughs> I did like the whole like uh, feral link thing, which is basically a, a limit break. I think I think it's good that they brought that back. Yeah, it's a lot like Final Fantasy X, where you have to press the certain buttons in order to make it. Yeah, successful. and you can still. It's cool because well, that like that actually carries over into the next battle yeah. if you don't use it. And each one has mm-hmm. their own independent one, so you can have all three, and you can swap Did them you around. Did get the and do all three um, in a row. the goblins? Was it goblin? No, it wasn't a goblin. It was one of those little penguin things. I forgot what they call. I've got the one that goes really fat and just sits on them. Yeah, that's the one. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Um, there are some questionable things with the AI though. Still, um, I, I found that the, the AI in thirteen was pretty spot on. I never really had any problems with it whatsoever. So the fact that I've just encountered one with the thirteen part two demo doesn't bode well. Um, the, the scenario I had was that everyone was pretty much dead. Uh, I'd say probably everyone was on about third health, and so I brought in my medic, and there was a status effect in everyone. And instead of healing anyone, the medic decided to cast a sooner on everyone first. <laughs> I think it just got the priority mixed up. Yeah, just just a slight bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's annoying. Uh, I didn't really Poor change parents. much, but like you know, it's just one of those annoying things where it just makes things a bit more desperate than it needs to be. <laughs> it's like, no, why did you just do that? So anyway, we've got some comments uh, which we're going to read out from from the guys who've posted in the thread. Thanks to everyone who took part in that. We've got a ton of people talking about it, which is great. It's great to hear people that are excited about the game as well. I know there's been... A, before the demo, the, there was a bit of doom and gloom, especially with some of the reviews that were coming out. And, you know, it's, people just weren't excited about it. I remember I asked if, everyone was, if anyone had pre-ordered it, and everyone was just like, no, why would I pre-order that? <laughs> everyone was like, yeah, I'd rather get Versus 13. Yeah, so um, this first comment comes from Terranaut, who said, I thought the Moogle was awesome. It's practically a Swiss army knife. You're it's so funny because cute. a lot of people just aren't happy with the voice acting for for the Moogle. What? Really? I, th- I, th- I, I think, think the, the Moogle's voice is fine when it's not talking. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't sure about the fact that they get it to talk. That was a it, bit... It only talks when the whole time time space aspect of, of the game comes into play. Well, it, it talks during some tutorials too. Because the first time it told me that I could use it to pick up items. Oh, well, see, um, I s- kind of skipped the tutorials. I remember it was talking a bit. Yeah, it took a little bit, but not much. No, most like, of the time it just says Koopal. But I think that's just something to go along with the demographic. Like, that was something that Daryl and I were talking about um, while we were playing the demo, is that um, they really seem to be pushing the... Um, Teenage The younger yeah. generation, like See, the tweens and the younger people. Because, like, if you think about all the colors that they use, the color of palette that they use, it's all very... It's it, it's all very we, young. We pretty much said it. It's it's kind of Kingdom Hearts now. It's like that kind yeah. of feel. Except the Kingdom Especially Hearts Moogle looks Moogle. much better than no, this No, no, more, <laughs> more the game as a whole. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just putting it out there. And I, I guess Mog, in in some ways, is is an extra character that they can use. I mean, obviously he was in Final Fantasy VI as well. Mm-hmm. But see, back yeah. then, everyone. Well, I don't know about everyone. I'm just in, in general, people had the impression that Moogles didn't really talk. They just said "kupo" and it translates into an entire sentence. Well, they've they've spoken in some games, but they've only they've spoken, spoken in games. twelve, but they weldn't necessarily voiced. FF9 well, nine could talk, but it, all you had was the sound the text. effect. 
well, in the town. When well, they spoke, they had text, but so you could make your own voice up. Well, one thing I did find about um, Final Fantasy XIII too, which I don't know if anybody else had this problem, because I play on standard definition, and the font is ridiculously small. That's because they don't make like, games. That's, that's the case with most, exactly. most games on a standard def TV. Which is probably... But there might be another reason why they chose to make... Um, to have him uh, actually... Or her. Speak. Him or her actually speak. Because, I mean, otherwise you would miss what he was saying. You get what I mean? Like, um, I I wouldn't have even noticed what he was saying. And since, like... The older Final Fantasies were more focused on, like, you have to actually read in order to get what they're saying. Now you don't really have to. I still unless read it. If, unless if you're playing on mute or you have a hearing deficiency, whichever. Whichever. But, anyway, um, next question. Next co- No, next yes. comment. Who's going to read it? I'll read it. This one is from Thundaga, which is a pretty cool spell. Or is it Thundaga? Anyways, I don't know. <laughs> I say Thundaga. Whichever. Anyways, yeah, see, you just totally just, like, ruined my whole mood. I was just like, happy, happy, happy. You stole her lightning. I stole your thunder. Stole, but, um, anyways. Alright, so, the new Crystarium seems like it might be limiting. As I understand it, you're on, on a track with limited spots, and on each node you pick up which job, which will, um, which job will get that boost slash ability. This means that in the end, your jobs will be at different levels, and there will be powers you can't get, right? Do you want to take this, or do you want me to take it, Colin? Uh, I'll take it. First, okay. I'll, I'll address the whole thing about it being limiting, and I, I think that's a good thing. Because, you know, you actually have to think about what you're doing. As for, you know, limited spots, uh, abilities, character progression, that sort of thing, not nece- that's not necessarily th- true. Because, you know, you get, like I said earlier, you get a ton of points. And spells and abilities aren't attached to nodes. They're attached to your levels. So, say, like, you learn... I think you learn Blitz at, like, level 7 for Commando. And then your next spell is at level 9. 11, 12, so on and so forth. So you still get your spells. It just... You just have to decide which ones are more important. It's not like this is a spell node. And if I level up Commando here, I'll get Blitz. If I level up uh, Ravager here, I'll get Blizzard. Speaking about like the nodes, uh, the, the size of the nodes uh, dictate how much of a class boost you get. Yeah, I did so wonder why because like they, they all cost the same, don't they? What's that? They all cost the same, but you get different bonuses depending on how. Uh, no, the bigger ones. I think the bigger ones cost more. Do they? Or it might be oh. like thirteen, where you know it depends on where you are in the story that they start to co- cost. Yeah, because I didn't really I, I didn't really pay attention to how much the, the nodes were costing, but, but I remember they started costing about 220, but I think they might have started off costing about 160. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, the bigger nodes will give you a, a larger stat increase. Okay, well, last one from Colin then. Alright, uh, it's from Drigger who says, I personally love the demo. FF13 was far from perfect for me. My issues were the linearity, which was basically because of the story. The lack of money in towns, which was also basically because of the story. After playing through the game twice in order to fully understand what was going on. Yeah, I think most of us had to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's weird because... I think most of us also had to address the Wikipedia page yeah, in order to actually understand. The story was... The, the, the story, in many ways, was obviously a justification for why the game was so limited, but 
at the same time, the story didn't really make a whole much deal of sense either. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily. I actually make it a would good prefer thing either. No. I actually would uh, prefer a different story, since that was the case. <laughs> if it restricted so much. See, anyway. linearity isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just depends on how they handle it's not. it. Yeah, because ten really was exactly. quite exactly. Ten was quite. If, if you think about it, all Final Fantasies like pre ten have been pretty linear. You Until just you get the airship. follow yeah. the story. Yeah, it's like oh, we need to go here. Now. Like think about nine. Like you, you, do, you got the stuff in Alexandria, and then obviously you go to the other continent. You go to Limblum, you go to Clara, and you're still following a set path. You have to go where they're telling you to. Do you have this, and like you have with- that? illusion of choice like you know when you're going from Limbum to Clara you can choose to go to Coos Marsh but you don't have to with but if like, you don't go um, there's really nowhere else you can go with like 7 and 8 as well like you go in certain areas and sure you can go in them but nothing's going to trigger you're just going to be like okay I'm yeah, in this it's area like, okay I've got I've just nobody's left Midgar. coming up to me I know where I've got to go there are only two other places I can go which are the Chocobo Ranch and Calm where there is pretty much nothing to do I guess I'll just carry on going towards Junin then. Yeah. Anyway, question segment. I don't think we're going to have time to get Yay. through all of these questions, so we're going to try and bash through as many as we can. Uh, okay. Colin, do you want to go for the first one? All right, the first one is from JMSMM underscore 92, who, and he or she asks, which Final Fantasy game do you think is the most underrated? This question actually included an example of Crystal Chronicles, and that's what I'm going to pick, because I love Crystal Chronicles, but I will preface this with a warning. It is only the most underrated game if you're playing with people that you know. If you're playing it by yourself, probably one of the most boring games ever made. <laughs> I I used to play this game at university with three friends of mine, and we had Game Boy Advances, um, so it was really awesome to play that. Each one of had our set little roles. Um, I was the guy that just ran out and killed everyone. Um, we had a healer who carried the chalice, and then we had um, two mages, and it was pretty awesome. I... I I really enjoyed that. But, I think yeah. mine will always be Final Fantasy VIII, honestly. Underrated? Underrated, yeah. Well, it's it's always the one that is shattered by Final Fantasy VII. And nine, I guess. Like, everybody, everybody keeps saying how much they hated eight. Like, there's so many people who hate eight just because it wasn't Final Fantasy VII again. And I think that, you know, if you look at it, outside of that it's actually not that bad and that's what I think I'm sorry I want Colin to say 14 I was going to say 9 no, but Colin... I, I, I do agree that 14 is pretty underrated and it's mostly because of the way it launched that first impression has still stuck with a lot of people despite the progress and the improvements that they've made to the game I have not gone back 12? to it I don't 12, think 12 is considered underrated 12 got what it deserved exactly <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone knows exactly what it is. Like, yeah, you either like it or you don't. There will be stuff that you can appreciate from it, but there will be stuff that you hate. And on the same token, I don't think it's anywhere near up to the standards of some of the other games in the series. But I don't think it's underrated because, yeah, I think everyone knows like how they view it. And yeah, yeah, I don't think what anyone says is going to change anyone's opinion about it. <laughs> Right, okay. so the next question is from forever to anne and they said, will Square Enix stop producing Final Fantasy after the 13 trilogy, or is this just a way to attract people's attention? First of all, I'm pretty sure it's not a trilogy. 
Well, what would it be? Yeah, would they it already be? confirmed that the U.S. Well, currently there's four. The U.S. Four games, was the right? ones who bought that. Wait, I mean, t- if, if he's specifically referring to Final Fantasy 13 and the whole 13-3 domain registration, Square Enix already said they had no idea what that was about. Yeah, it was the U.S. Well, no, it was their. Like, it was the, uh, the the company that gets their domains for them just did it as a like a failsafe just in case they wanted to. Which maybe I mean, they for, were planning to. But it's not I gonna, don't. It, it was probably one of those things where they're going to see how thirteen part two pans out. Well, you know, um, just, unless if you count versus fo- focusing well, and going back to the question, the game. I don't think Square Enix yeah. is going to stop producing Final Fantasy games after thirteen. I mean, they've already done fourteen. Heck no. And they're making verses and Type Zero. Yeah. Type, the Type Type is Zero has spawned its own franchise. Yeah. Type Zero. Yeah. No, they're not going to stop. Like Final Fantasy is like it. It's become their last hope again. It's become Square Enix's last it's hope, also other than the Eidos well, games. Well, yeah, it's, it's Square Enix Japan's last hope, although Dragon Quest still sells bucket loads, but we'll ignore that. Yeah, but still. <laughs> still, Final Fantasy is like their... Final Fantasy and like Kingdom Hearts and Dragon Quest are like their biggest franchises. They wouldn't just close up shop. They can't. Nah. Anyway, next question. Okay, next question is from You Love Patrick. If you were the CEO of Square Enix, would you hire Sakaguchi back if he begged and groveled and let him direct the next mainline Final Fantasy title? Um, I'm going to say yes. And given how the Lost Star has turned out, I don't think he'd need to beg and grovel. If it was after <laughs> Blue Dragon and Lost Odyssey, maybe he would have to because I don't think they did as well as he expected them to. Although many people still consider Lost Odyssey to be the best JRPG of this generation, didn't have the sales, yeah. didn't get the review scores. Um, but the last, the last story had. I mean, he had a few dodgy titles in between Lost Odyssey and the last story, I believe. Um, but yeah, people have been clamoring to get that game on the Wii, which is an amazing feat for the Wii because no one wants to play any games on the Wii, and <laughs> people yeah. are like, "I've got to get a Wii. I've got to play this game. It's like JRPG heaven." and the fact that America aren't getting it is like a massive kick in the teeth. So if Sakaguchi yeah. can go out to Square Enix and produce a game of that standard, hell yes. Oh, I'd love Sakaguchi to come back. That's when Final Fantasy, I, in my opinion, was good. Nine? I love Sakaguchi. Yeah, I like nine. Ten? He didn't do ten. He didn't do ten, no. But I like nine. I What's wrong with like nine? Nine is awesome. Don't diss nine. Yeah. I like nine. Nine's my least favorite of the modern era. I don't include 12 and 13 like in the, the modern theme. era. That's the, that's the now era. The present. And it's yeah. not going so well. The present. <laughs> no. Except for Type 0. Type 0 is good. It's sparkly and pretty and nice. Would you have him back, Colin? I think, yeah, I would I would have him back. And Nobuo Uematsu. Yes. You know what? It would stop. It would stop Toriyama. And that can only be a good yes. thing. Yes, it would. <laughs> yes. Right, next question. All right, the next question is from Soul of the Night. Everyone had favorite characters in each title, but did you use them, or did you go for the most powerful characters? Um, I'm going to use Final Fantasy X as an example and say, um, no, I did not use them. Um, I always use them as powerful characters. Um, Final Fantasy X, I realize, Auron, he he was my favorite character. I really loved his backstory. I thought he was just epic. But later in the game, he doesn't really 
live up to it and really like Titus, Yuna, and Waka are where it at. Well, that's because later in the game, he's, you find out he's not real. He loses his, he just loses his mojo. <laughs> I I don't know what it is. He just doesn't know. He doesn't. He's never as strong, but that might just be be because I focus so much on leveling up other people. Yeah, but I, I, don't know. I was gonna he say was that the irony in ten is that everyone has the same strength. Yeah, but whatever <laughs> the case, I I started not using him later in the game. I and, I think um, I still did. I think my my um, Jex party was Titus, Yuna, and Orin. Really? Yeah. Never. No one ever really uses Riku though. I think that's because she can't. Well, it's because so the ability. The no, I think really depend who you use in ten, depending on what specials you liked. And Riku's. That's true. Riku technically has Riku's, really good ones, but yeah. no one can be bothered. And yeah. uh, Lulu's is pretty crap. I think Kamara's are pretty crap. See, Did anyone use Kamara? Like, a lot of them were. No, that's why I, I always failed at. Um, I failed at Gagazette the first time I uh-huh. played it. Virat. I know, because I was just like, oh la 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 la. Wait. What? I have to use Kamari alone against two people? This is pretty stupid. Did you ever use Kamari, Colin? I haven't finished 10. <laughs> but whatever the case, yeah, I did I did have favorites, but I didn't always use them. Actually, like Yuna and Waka are probably like my least favorite characters of Final Fantasy X. But Yuna was perfect because... because you could like spam all the summons. But Waka, well, I'm I'm talking about character, oh, okay. individual, because Waka was really racist throughout a lot of it, except for like near the end, and Yuna was just, ugh, Yuna. Anyway, what about you, ugh. Colin? Yuna was just Yuna. Did you use the most powerful characters, or <laughs> you use the ones you wanted to use? Tuna. I pretty much just used the ones that I wanted to use. I mean, using FF13 as an example. I stayed away from Hope. My main party was. <laughs> Lightning, Fang, and Vanilla. Sometimes Sars, because I like Sars. So basically, you're a womanizer. Well, if you can consider Fang and Lightning women, sure. Boom! <laughs> Shakalaka. I, 13 was weird for me, because I, I had that mentality right until the end when I realized that Hope was actually really useful. <laughs> um, hey, I completed so the I, game without using Hope. Good for you, Colin. I didn't. <laughs> But that's because I, I like y- was really dead against anything that was enfeebling or enhancing. I really didn't like Vanille, but I always used her as my medic. Yeah, I, I my mean, even in like often um, in like uh, Final Fantasy twelve. You know, I had two. I had two parties. My main party was always Bosh, Ash, and Bothia, and then the rest in the backup party. Backup. <laughs> back up. I, I'm back gonna be up, really really controversial here because I was adamant that Vaughn was the main character in twelve. So I always had him as my main character. Ugh. <laughs> I know. I couldn't help it. Ugh. That's probably uh, why you disliked him so much. I can't talk to you anymore. Yeah, okay, so we should go on to the next question. Yes. Alright, so this next question is Oh wait, that's not me. Never it mind. Is you. Colin. Oh wait, it is me. Oh, okay. Um <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so this next question is from Setzer007. 007. Setzer. 007. Oh, please don't Setzer do that. 007. Kingdom Hearts Setzer. ruined Setzer. Setzer. Anyways, um, what do you think of Story Scenario DLC for Final Fantasy thirteen two? And if Versus followed in suit, would you be up for it? Colin. Those are my thoughts. That's my reaction not... from everyone. 
<laughs> I know. If it's uh, a story, if it's anything story related, I, I am not paying extra for it because it should have been in the game in the first place. Now you know, things like extra costumes, extra like the the battle coliseum, and things like that. I'm fine with it being DLC, but if it's story related, I I think it should be in the game when it released. Now, Colin, I'm going to ask you another question here. Did Square Enix not say that the one thing they would not do was create story DLC? I don't actually remember. They might have. I'm sure I they said think that. They did. They, I know they said that they wanted of... the experience to be the same across all. Yeah, platforms. exactly. And if because I remember we had a similar conversation before, and I think I I asked if they were going to have any story related ones, and everybody was shouting like, "No!" I think and I'm just like, "Okay." This could mean that this that it's going to be quote unquote story because it sounds like it's, they're going to use it to have SARS in the game because I don't think he's going to be in the main main game so it's not going to be anything significant it's just going to be but it's it's still like it should be there. all the more reason I it should mean, be in the I... game when it releases if it's not significant I mean like, why, why would you pay for something like... that's insignificant I don't exactly. know <laughs> like um like Final Fantasy 10 2 and I know this is a bad example but shush Anyways, um, Waka and Lulu, their involvement in Final Fantasy That was so X main story. Too, I, I know, but I just mean in the sense that, like, I mean, I would have wanted to see them in the main game, you know? I wouldn't... It kind of breaks, I, I it kind of breaks your immersion like, into the game when they take things out like that. Yeah. Imagine in 10 Part 2 if they'd taken out Machen. Yeah. The circle would not be complete. You wouldn't be able to get 100%. No. You wouldn't have to exactly. listen to his drawling on and on and yeah, on. Yeah, what would that mean for like achievements and stuff? Like. Anyway, I think that we're gonna sad. have to round out the questions there because we've answered a ton. So sorry if your question didn't get answered. Okay. Please ask away, and we will try to get to it next episode. So yes, um, for our music this week, we have a track from Final Fantasy VII, which was picked by Lauren. Yep. Tell us about it. It's pretty. <laughs> and there we go so the original song is actually it's interrupted by it's fireworks it. and the arrangement title is daydreaming again it's by hot sorry pot hockey it's, from it's Remix strange too. because you know it doesn't when i listen to it it didn't really sound like interrupted by fireworks that those that's one of my favorite tracks no. from the ff7 ost they make it really pretty it kind of reminds me of like um a wedding like it's just it's just really romantic see that's the thing because you know interrupted by fireworks was a very somber theme Mm -hmm. so yeah we hope you enjoy listening to at the end of the show Uh, after this episode the next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to release on the 14th of February which of course is two weeks Mm -hmm. after the release of Final Fantasy 13 part 2 so hopefully we will all have had the chance to play through it and we will be able to have an impressions episode so if you've got any questions you want to ask us about the game then shove them in there the show will be spoiler free to a degree it it better Um, be we'll probably put a disclaimer at the beginning just so that you guys um, know that we may be talking about some things that you don't want to know about Um, but yeah should be a good show just to remind everyone again you can subscribe to this podcast on the iTunes store if you just search for Final Fantasy or Kingdom Hearts we are the number one show and of course yeah. you can catch every episode as well as all the latest Final Fantasy news coverage and opinion pieces at FinalFantasyUnion.com 
you just search for Final Fantasy Union, we are top of Google. You can also search the Colin. You can also catch. You the can show also catch Colin. the Colin, apparently. Hey. <laughs> Gotta catch them all. Yeah. Damn those right, Colins. you can catch the show at Final Fantasy-FXN.net as well. Yes. So um, I think we all had a fun time playing through the demo, even though it was pretty similar to what we've all played anyway. It's a pretty truncated um, demo, yeah. just so yeah. not everything's in there. They took all so, long um, yeah. We'll see you next episode, and uh, Colin and Lauren are now going to say farewell. Farewell. Bye-bye. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a tweaksmusic.com and FinalFantasyUnion.com production.
Hi everyone, and welcome to the 60th... (laughs) (laughs) What just happened? Why? (laughs) Well, I I didn't know you were going to start the moment I said that. (laughs) But I just love that you just kept doing it anyway. And there's the first blooper of the year. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much, Colin. Well, I blamed the I blamed the la- lag. Yeah, of course when... you would blame the lag. Yeah, wouldn't you? I would. <sighs> right, chucking away. All right, let's try this again, shall we? Okay. Okay, I'll behave. I'll behave. Hi everyone, and welcome.